we're so thankful that you being the Lord of all, building your church, not on what we've done in the past, but based on who you are and what you've done for us, you're establishing something that is far greater than we could ever hope, dream, or imagine. And so we look to you. We look to build our life and to be a part of you building your church. Be those living stones that your, your word talks about. We open our hearts to receive what you have to say to us, our ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And even now, knowing that you are the Lord, the Christ, the Son of God, the one who gave his life for us, we draw upon that which you have already done, the price paid when you laid over that whipping post and bore stripes upon your back and declared healing to all, that you bore those stripes so we would not have to bear sickness and disease, pain in our body. So we pray over these cloths right now in the name of Jesus. According to Acts the 19th chapter, where handkerchiefs and aprons were taken from the body of the Apostle Paul. When they were brought to the sick and the demon-possessed spirits left them and their bodies were healed. And so we thank you, Father, that the anointing would saturate these cloths when they're brought to those who are hurting, those who are struggling. God, every manner of sickness and disease, from congestion that keeps them awake at night, to the most dire of diagnosis, I thank you that you died so that not one thing, not one strategy of the enemy, not one thing would keep us awake at night, even though it seems small, you said you'd give us sleep. To the thing that would bring fear of our life ending, you paid for it all. So we thank you for saturating these cloths with your life and with your anointing, that when they're brought to them, it can move out of these claws through their skin into their bloodstream, seeking out the very source, causing a healing and a cure. We thank you for it. We look for a good report, Father. We thank you for healing bodies in this place. Thank you that your power is present as you are present here to heal. So we reach out and access that healing power that changes are made in hearts and lives. Father, we thank you for this day. We do declare that your will be done right here in this place as it is in heaven. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise and thanksgiving for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning, church. How are you this morning? I'm excited this morning. I believe God has some great things to share with us today uh, as we open up his word, as we look into that. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, the life of God dwells in me and the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Once again, welcome. Uh, 1030 service here at New Creation Church. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you uh, are visiting with us, uh, we are so glad that you're here. Pray that something that is said or done or shared uh, between you all or something uh, just in the fellowship will minister to your heart and life. If you know Jesus, equip you uh, to share and to go out and be bold to share 
God's goodness with someone else. If you don't know Jesus this morning, that you will hear or receive something in your heart that lets you know that he is exactly who the word declares that he is, that he will break the power of sin over your life, come in and be the Lord of your life and give you hope and a future and uh, forgive you and deliver you and make you whole. Amen. So we are glad that you are with us. Open your Bibles to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. And while you're turning there, just want to remind you next Saturday, you don't want to miss next Saturday uh, evening, Tony Cook will be with us uh, sharing on his book, uh, Miracles in the Supernatural Throughout Church History. It'll be two sessions, start at 6 o'clock, then he'll be with us uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night next week. And then on March, what is it, the, uh, the 6th, I think I said, the next Sunday. Anyway, you don't want to miss it. We, uh, I'm waiting for some, some things to, to come in and be settled, but uh, I have some announcements to make uh, that are really exciting uh, for us as a church, and so you don't want to miss that and be a part of that on March the 6th. So um, some good things coming up. Also, to let you know, just uh, uh, again a reminder, because it's not been said, it's not on the calendar really, we are continuing to pray Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning at 8 o'clock here, so you can join us uh, in the morning for prayer as we continue. We started with 21 days of prayer. We've just felt like we just need got some momentum, uh, continue to pray and, and move things through in prayer, so you can join us. Uh, at that time, if you uh, so desire, Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we started a new foundation, uh, a new message. Excuse me, foundations building a life that lasts. As we have looked at this year, and we we've really gathered, we prayed as we were coming in, and and uh, began to look at the scriptures and and see what God was saying to us. You know, um, certainly Psalm sixty-five. We've been talking about that God crowns this year. Somebody say this year. Crowns this year with his goodness and his paths drip with abundance. Goes on to say some things uh, that we've talked about. His paths drip with abundance. Not our paths, but his paths drip with abundance. And uh, 113 Psalm, how good and pleasant it is when we gather together in unity. And again, I'm just believing God for each and every one of us. When we gather together in unity, when we put off anything that divides us, we gather together in unity, we begin to worship in unity, that it's like the anointing oil that came upon Aaron, went down over his beard, clear down uh, to his feet, and so uh, that there's an anointing uh, upon you. There's an anointing as we come together that really comes upon you to, 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 for things to happen in our midst during that time, but also for you to take with you as God has called you to minister to others, not in your own strength or according to your own ability, but anointed you uh, to bring a, a message of, uh, uh, to people that they don't have to pay the debt of their sin. Jesus paid it, that they can be free, that they can be healed and delivered. It doesn't make you something. It makes God uh, even more, people more aware of the goodness of God by the anointing that is on your life. And so with all of that, we're, we're looking and we're seeing that, you know, really some things that if we're going to carry that, you know, you can carry the burden of the world. You can carry what the news said last week. You can carry, you know, sadness with you, uh, certainly. Uh, you can carry grief and sorrow. We know that. And certainly people have to carry that through in, at different times. I'm not being critical. But we as a church have the ability to carry the victory of Jesus Christ wherever we go. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Uh, we have the ability to carry the victory of Jesus Christ. So the enemy can come against you and, and put pressure on you, and you can carry that pressure. You can carry some things, or you can just say, no, I'm carrying the victory that Jesus 
has for me. And as a church, as we carry that, we go through some things, but we carry it through to the other side. And things happen when you carry it through, when you fulfill or carry it all the way through. As we ended uh, last year, we talked about patience, perseverance, and endurance. And the Bible says you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, in other words, you started in the will will of God, you carried it through in that area, you have need of endurance so that you can receive the promise. After you've done the will of God, you receive the promise. So there's things at the end of carrying this through, carrying the victory of God, things that God started maybe years ago and you were ready to give up on. No, we pick them up. We carry them through according to the will of God. And there's some things that God has promised that as you carry it through, you're going to be amazed at what God is doing in the midst of your life, in the midst of his church right now, because he's raising up the church. No matter what it looks like, he's raising up the church. And so there may be troubled times out there, and, and, and we look at that, but, you know, and in troubled times, um, you know, we're, we're talking about foundations. I don't want you to check out, you know, the, uh, Paul told Timothy, in troubled times, there's going to be all kinds of things. But he said, in the midst of those troubled times, people are always going to be looking for teachers because they have itching ears. They're going to be looking for teachers of, uh, of, uh, of the word, teachers that itch their ears that make them feel good. But he told Timothy, you preach the word. Better be ready in season and out of season, preach the word. Amen. That's going to be the best thing is to hear the word of God. And so that's what we want to do is establish uh, some foundation, establish some things that, that, that God has said to us so that we're really able to, to build and to go forward uh, on, on some things. So uh, in, here in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, we talked about those foundations last week, how important of a foundation is to building uh, our, our life and building anything, building homes, building uh, uh, whatever. If you don't have a good foundation, then things happen. And so we live in a day that really I believe that, that you, we're going to see uh, Jesus said this, got to build on a good firm foundation because storms are coming. You know, there's all kinds of different storms. There's, there's isolated, intermittent thunderstorms, yep. right? There's times where it seems like something comes through, and then it's gone, and it comes through again, and it doesn't seem like a big deal, but, uh, you know, it's still a storm. It changes the way your activity, you know, if you're out and about, and a, an isolated storm comes in, well, then you'd stop what you're doing, and, and you start something else. But then there's, there's you know, large uh, number of day storms that keep you in. And then there's hurricanes, there's tornadoes, there's things like that. And really, Jesus, when he's talking about building your house on a firm foundation, he says storms are going to come through. The creek's going to rise. It's going to be like hurricane-force winds that if you don't have a good firm foundation, your house will be knocked down. But if you have a good foundation, your house will stand. Speaking of our lives... And so, you know, the best thing for, for people to see when things come through, when pandemics, things that will continue to happen, things that really come with a purpose to kill, steal, and destroy. They're, they're set by the enemy to kill, steal, wipe out, destroy. That there's a, a landscape that we look at that hopefully it's the church. And certainly if we're building, we find we didn't build, our lives knocked down, you're still looking for refuge and you're looking for hope. But in the natural, we can watch a news story where uh, you know, a hurricane or a tornado went through a community. Uh, we just see it in, in our um, region with a, a wildfire, and we don't understand it. I, I mean, in the natural, we don't understand it. Hopefully, in the spiritual, we can get a grasp of it by that picture. But you look at it, and all of a sudden, here's these houses that are just wiped out. And then right next to them, there's a house that's just standing firm. It's standing 
looking okay, it's fine, right? And so there's going to be things that come along in life, and they're going to wipe people's life out. But hopefully as the church, we built on a firm foundation. And though it comes and maybe your shutters get blown off, you know, maybe some shingles get tore off, but you're still standing. You're still firm in your foundation. Well, what does that do? The people whose house are broke down, it gives you an opportunity to say, come on in, be warm, be fed. How can I help you understand? And in your rebuilding process, this is not the last storm that is ever going to come through your life. So if I could help you build a foundation that the next storm, your house will be standing, I believe that's the will of God. But we have to look. And, I, you know, I hadn't thought about it this way until Pastor Tasha did her introduction there. But she said, uh, what, we're gonna, what we're doing over the next couple weeks is we're doing a foundation inspection. A foundation inspection. So if you go to buy a house, you know, and, and the mortgage company is going to make you uh, uh, do a foundation inspection. And so if you've got a house, a life built on Christ, we're doing a foundation inspection. If your house keeps falling down, we're going to find out if you have a foundation. If you haven't yet been building, we want to make sure you get a good foundation under your building. Amen? So if Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews the 5th chapter, and we're going to launch into this. Uh, we're not going to get real, real far into this today, uh, but I want to get to some things that I believe will help you. At least they'll cause you to, to think uh, throughout the week about establishing some places. It says, for though uh, by this time you ought to be teachers... Instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. So again, if we put that together with Timothy, what he first said, when trouble comes, when difficulty comes, and he, he tells Timothy, he says, it's going to be so troublesome that it's hard to bear, right? He said, trouble comes, where are you going to be? And so many times, he says, they'll go to seek out teachers having itching ears. He said, right here, right now, you all ought to be teachers and not need teaching. So again, we look at that and say, wow, maybe I have a teaching gift. What? He's really not talking about that because he goes back to the first principles. He says, you should very much, at least, you should be to the point that you're able to help someone else, teach someone else basic fundamental foundational principles about who Jesus is and what he has done for you so that others can start to build a foundation on Jesus Christ and build their life on that foundation of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yet even in the church today, probably not this church, just some other church, we have people who don't feel like they're qualified, and, and, and they keep looking. They'll go over here to find a teacher. They'll be over here to find a prophet or an apostle or somebody to feed them all that. Yet at the same time, you've been taught the word. And so, you know, other translations say it's very hard to communicate this because your hearts become dull. In other words, we've been hearers of the word, hearers of the word. We just want one more thing, and then we'll go out. One more thing, and then maybe we'll share with someone else. I don't feel qualified, or if somebody looked at my life after I told them, what would they find? And that's why we're going to look at the foundation and see if you've got a good foundation and you're building on it, or you know how to fix the foundation if it's been cracked, then you're, you're already ready to teach somebody and say, here's what happens. You can get your foundation cracked. Here's how you fix it. Here's how you lay a foundation. Here's where we're going. Rather than saying, no, oh, no, I just need more of that 
simple teaching. He said, if so, you're just babies. You're just looking for liquid food. Just give me something that soon, yes, I can grow, I can learn. I, 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 you know, the Bible says receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. It's able to save your soul. He said receive as like babes, just receive it into your heart. It'll cause you to grow. But at some point, you have to grow past the baby stage and begin to become adult. And so he, he talks to us about that. Verse 13, he says, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he's a babe. He said, if all you're doing is just listening and saying, give me another, give me another good nugget, give me another good tidbit, make me feel good. If, if we go through a week and we're like, wah, wah, things are happening, somebody give me, well, we're just babes, right? And it happens. I mean, uh, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to use, get you loosened up here and not fall asleep, but I'm not making fun of anybody. We just do that. I mean, if we're not paying attention, we're, we're just, somebody tell me, somebody help me. Oh, the week has been so tough. Oh, the week. And, and we be, we're just like babies whining when really we should be adults responsible enough to say, this came in my week and I'm solid and I'm skillful. I'm skillful. He goes on to say this, but verse 14, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use. Everybody say, by reason of use. By reason of use. Say it again, by reason, of use. by reason of use. So he defines some things. If we're not utilizing the word in our life, if we're not applying the word to things of our life, then it's just like milk. We know it. We know that we want it. We know that we should have it. But yet, it's not solid. We're not using it in such a fashion that it grows us, right? So the Bible tells us, James says this, he says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. For a man that's a hearer of the word is like a man who observes his face in a mirror, walks away, and immediately forgets what manner of man that he was. But a person who is a doer of the word is blessed in what he does. He's blessed in what he does. And so here he's defining for us a people, and he gets, he's going to get to foundation uh, here, but he says, belongs to those who are full age by reason of use. Um, uh, they exercise, their senses are exercised to discern good and evil. In other words, one way to look at it is, you know what? When I hear the word of God on Sunday, when I take it into my life, then I begin to be aware. I'm going to use this word. I'm going to use the word this week, word that I've heard last week, things that I've heard. I'm going to use patience, perseverance, and endurance. How many of you used that since the end of the year? Or how many of you gone, golly, why is this happening? When is this going to be over? And you got anxious or you utilized patience and perseverance. And so you're spending time getting more entwined with God. And as you do, you're like, whew, I get this, man. God never sleeps. God never gets weary. What are we doing next? Some people are like, God, when is this going to end? I'm so tired. But he says, man gets weary, but did you not know? God doesn't get weary and God doesn't sleep. God has a principle. So those who wait on the Lord, those who are intertwined with the Lord, they continue to renew their strength and they mount up with wings like eagles. They run and they get weary. They walk and they don't faint. Even though young people are getting tired, those who wait on the Lord are ready to run. Come on, if you've been applying that and saying, man, I'm getting tired. God, I'm going to come wait on you. You're like, whoop, power up. Well, you know, I don't want to do too much. Now, if we wait on the Lord. 
Then tests come our way, and we're like, we're going to persevere through this because there's something on the other side. If we're applying it, and you know that, you're like, i got to apply this right now because the devil's trying to back me off. He's trying to keep me from the promise of God, so i got to persevere. So you put it into practice. So he says, when you do that, you hear the word, and you say, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this in my life. The enemy will come, and all of a sudden, as you use it, you realize, and you start to train your senses. That, that I'm listening to, that ain't, that's no good. That's no good. So I'm going to use the word of God. I'm going to listen to the word of God and put that off. So by reason of use, I'm training my senses. It's not what I want to listen to. That, that I said, that was not good. That was not good. And so by reason of taking the word and applying it, now I train my senses. I'm not going to say that bad thing. I'm going to say that good thing. I'm not going to listen to that bad thing. I'm going to listen to that good thing. Oh, that action, that thing I just did in the flesh, wrong thing. Not going to do that. So he says when you start to utilize the word instead of just listen to it, now you're getting stronger. You're exercising. I know that's a bad word to some, but you're exercising. Most of us like to sit and eat, but God likes us to eat, then exercise, so we don't get so spiritually chubby. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Come on. If you, if you don't amen, I'm going to get deeper, and it's going to get somebody right, right where it counts. Come on. He's saying that. He said, you all like to just sit and have liquid food and lay back and go, I'm spiritual. He says, yeah, but when you want to get grown up, you take that. And you use it, and you start exercising, and now you're going to be spiritually cut. You're going to be spiritually strong and spiritually mature. We all want to be spiritually mature. How many of you want to be spiritually mature? Right? We all want to have a word. We all want to speak to somebody. We all would love to see a miracle happen by our hands. If you're like, well, not me. Sure, you. If you're born again, you want to see a miracle at your hand. Because God called you to that. You might not know it yet, but as you grow spiritually strong, you're like, man, well, I'm going to stretch forth his hand. Something's going to happen here. So as we start to use that, we begin to mature and we begin to understand that, right? And so we're growing in this place. And, the, and he says, in order to do that, you have to understand the foundation. And those things, those things are what the life is going to look like out here. But it has to be built on the foundation. So he says this, he starts in verse 1 of chapter 6. He says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, the very beginning, first principles of the gospel of Christ, let us go on to perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. I'm going to stop there. We'll, we'll get to the other ones, but that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. Lock the doors. Nobody leave. I know that word repentance really already setting some people off. I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. It says, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. Right? So we begin to look at this, and so I, I just want to, you know, last week we talked about foundations, building upon that. You know, I, I built houses for a period of time in my life, and so we shared that a little bit about the importance of foundations. Also was in athletics and, and, and participated, and so this translation says the fundamental, the fundamental teachings or the fundamental principles. This is what the word fundamental means. It means pertaining to the foundation or basis. 
It means for the foundation. Hence, it's essential and it's important. He says when we talk about these principal things and growing or going past or maturing from them, he said it's very important that these things are in place if we're going to go beyond them and grow. It's very, very important. Another uh, definition of that is a leading or primary principle. In other words, the first principle or the leading principle or the primary thing. It's a rule, a law, or an article which serves as groundwork of a system. It's an essential part. So when we talk about a fundamental principle or a foundational principle, we're talking about something that is the groundwork of something that's more systematic. So today, don't shut me off, today we're going to talk about repentance. Now, I don't know the last time you heard about repentance. Somewhere we left the church. I don't know if it was from hellfire, brimstone, messages, or whatever, but it's a very foundational principle. And if you got born again and you didn't have the foundation of repentance in your life, then there's a number of areas you're trying to build on, and it seems like it keeps falling down. Anybody ever tried to build on the Word of God in your life and it just seems like it just kept falling down? It didn't work. Or every time a storm blew, it fell down. Well, that's a good indication we didn't have the right foundation. And because we haven't talked a lot about repentance in the church for a number of years, then how do all the new people coming in? And I'll raise my hand. Sorry. As a pastor, sorry we haven't talked about it more at least to lay a foundation. We're not going to go over it and over it again. Hopefully, I'll give you some things this morning that will help you understand it a little bit more. We're not just going to talk about repentance over and dig that up. But it's a principle. It's a, a fundamental, right? So when you develop fundamentals in athletics, they're there. You build on those, right? A home run hitter uh, becomes a home run hitter, but he built on the same principle as the guy who just hits the ground ball, right? He starts as a young kid hitting off a tee, getting his basic fundamentals, his fielding fundamentals, whatever it is in sports, and then you build on that, you get better and better. But when something goes wrong, you refer back to see if you've left the fundamental, the very building block principles, and that happens on, on almost anything. So we're doing a, an inspection, a foundation, or, or, or going back to see our fundamentals correct in uh, this certain area because it's a principle that we build on. Now, this is how it works. The Apostle Paul, because he understood his foundation and his foundation for his life in Christ started with repentance. Then he was able to say in the middle of his ministry, I buffet my body and I bring it into subjection lest after I've preached, I become a castaway. See, the fundamental principle, he didn't go back and repent, but because he had repented from dead works, repented from sin, when he was preaching the gospel and all of a sudden his flesh arose and wanted to do something that he knew was wrong, nope, I don't do that anymore. I've repented, so I bring my body, the strength of my spirit brings my body into subjection to the Word of God because we're not following our flesh anymore, we're following the Word of God. So he doesn't have to repent, he just brings it into check. Why? Because he has a foundation of repentance. So sometimes people just keep going back to the old way, we call it backsliding, and their life falls apart again. Because there's not the foundation of repentance. Are you all with me? 
And so as we, we endeavor to break this down, we want to create some understanding. We may have to spend a couple of weeks here on this, but it's, it's very fundamental. It's very foundational. So as we start this, just want to ask you this question. In your own mind, just right now, reel over it. In your own heart, define repentance. Just say in your own mind, well, this is repentance, right, to you. I'm not going to test you on it, so it's okay. You can go ahead and think about it. We won't call you out and ask you what you're thinking about. But there was a survey done amongst churchgoers. I'm just going to share with you a couple of things that they came up with. Repentance, you may agree with it. Yours may be something different. But this is the number one thing they came up with, to feel sorry about something uh, you did or failed to do. In other words, you know, you should have come to church. I feel bad about it. I'm sorry. Or, you know what, you went out and, and uh, you know, uh, stole money out of your mom's drawer. You feel bad about it. Well, I feel bad about that. I'm sorry. They call that repentance. All right. To feel remorseful about some act and to ask for forgiveness for it. So, you know what, I talked badly to that person today, and I feel so bad. I feel so bad. I, I'm so... I feel bad that I talked to him. God, please forgive me. I just feel bad. Some call that forgiveness. To walk forward in a church service and formally ask Jesus into one's life. In other words, you know, at the end of a service, you, you raise your hand, you come up, you pray and ask Jesus into your life. We call that uh, repentance. And so really, when we begin to look at it as a foundational or a fundamental principle within our life, we have to understand that it is important. We just read that. It's important. It's essential to know then what repentance is and what repentance isn't. And so we have a, a feeling, we have an understanding, whatever you're thinking about repentance is. But let's just start and understand that it's super important. So turn over to Matthew chapter 3, Matthew the third chapter. We're just going to start right there in the first verse, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1. Y'all still here. It says, in, the days, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent. Everybody say, repent. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the very foundational principle and launching pad for John the Baptist's ministry, which his ministry was, prepare the way for Jesus to come. In other words, the world had been going a direction, prepare the way for Jesus to come. Now, if you've been with us since the first of the year, we believe that, how many of you believe Jesus is coming again? Well, he is. If you're a Christian, he's coming again. And he's coming soon. All the signs of the time say he's coming soon. So we, his church, should be preparing for his return. So for John the Baptist, for his first coming, an elementary principle was repent. Then we need to pay attention. It was important. Right? You say, well, John the Baptist, that was Jesus coming. Okay, well, turn over to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew, the fourth chapter. The 17th verse, Matthew, the fourth chapter, and the 17th verse. So we'll get to Jesus. Praise the Lord. Matthew, the fourth chapter, 
Oh, I'm in Mark. That won't work. Keep hitting the wrong button. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Jesus. Now, this isn't John the Baptist. This is Jesus. He said, repent. Everybody say, repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Basically, you know, he continued to tell them, listen, the kingdom of God has come near you. In other words, Jesus showed up and said, I'm bringing the kingdom of God. I'm bringing the reality of the kingdom of God. And he said, first of all, it's near you. But then he said, understand the kingdom of God is going to come within you. So he said, if you're going to have the kingdom of God, actually the rule of God come within you, repent is a first principle of that. So well, now that was Jesus, he's ascended into heaven, and John the Baptist, that's still kind of over there in the old. Okay, well, turn over to Acts chapter 2, we'll get into the church age then. Acts chapter 2, and verse 37, I encourage you to go back and to, to read what leads up to this. This is Acts chapter 2, many of you know this, Acts chapter 2, uh, they came into the upper room, Jesus told them, wait in the upper room, wait in Jerusalem till you're endued with power from on high. They're there. There came a sound from heaven as a rushing, rushing mighty wind filled the whole house where they were sitting. And cloven tongues like as a fire sat upon each of them. And they all began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then they left that building. And while they were from the, the, the whole baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues, they, they flowed out into the street. People said, wow. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning, and here are all these disciples, all these followers of Jesus, they're drunk. And so Peter said, wait a minute, we're not drunk as you suppose, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. How awesome is that? And so then he goes and he says, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He goes on to that and, and speaks to them. And so then he starts to preach the gospel. He says, this Jesus who David talked about. And you thought King David would be uh, really come about and, and see that. Uh, but he, King David saw corruption. But the one he was talking about, the king of kings, was Jesus. And he didn't see corruption. He was raised from the dead. So the Jesus whom you crucified, that God raised from the dead, that's the one we're talking about right now. And so this is, he's preaching that. I, I, that's paraphrase. You need to read it. But he preaches a powerful message of the gospel. And this is how they responded. It says in verse seven, uh, 37, Now when they heard this, the gospel, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what are we supposed to do now? What shall we do? And Peter said, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. What was he saying? He's saying, listen, y'all are Jews right here, and it's for you, and it's for your children. But it's going to expand to the Gentiles, and it's going to expand to the Jews and the Gentiles for generations to come. He says, but it starts with an understanding of repentance. And so now that you've been able to think about your understanding of repentance, we're just going to break it down. It really comes from a, a Greek word, metanoeo, uh, which is made up of two words, met and nuos, which met means uh, to turn, and nuos means the mind, the mind. 
And so, uh, really, he lines that out here. Uh, Rick Renner does in his book, but I'm going to read from this um, little book here by Rick Renner called Repentance. And he's a Greek scholar, and so uh, I might as well just read it uh, to you because I couldn't do a better job. I, well, I couldn't even scratch the surface like he does. But I like this, what he says, first of all, he said, this is one thing Peter understood. When Peter said, repent and be baptized, it's the opening, he says this, uh, Peter understood that repentance is the birth canal through which people enter the kingdom of God. Repentance is the birth canal by which people enter into the kingdom of God. So these two words, they're compounded together, and they give you a basic sense, which is a change of mind or a complete conversion. A change of mind or complete conversion. It reflects in this way a turn or a change of direction. A turn or a change of direction. A new course and a completely altered behavior and view of life. Come on, now we're talking about foundational. When you came to Christ, was your view of life altered? Did your mindset change? Or did you just say, God, forgive me and get me to heaven and help me keep living the life that I'm living? Because some people are like, God, help me. Every day they're like, God, help me do what I dream about doing, what I want to do. And all of a sudden it falls apart and they're going, God, why? Because they're not building on the proper foundation. He goes on to say this in the New Testament. This Greek word is used to denote a complete, radical, total change. It means a decision to completely change one's thoughts, behaviors, and actions, or to entirely turn around in the way one is thinking, believing, or living. Now listen, it's foundational, so we have all the scriptures, right? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, a total transformation by changing the way that we think according to the Word of God. Receive with meekness the engrafted Word of God, which is able to save your soul. In other words, it's to save you from the way you were thinking and the emotion, to actually alter and change your mind, which changes your thinking. Your, if you'll change your thinking, it changes your decision-making. And your decision-making changes your direction, and your direction determines your destination. So if I'm making decisions that end up with a life that's half broken down and shanty and the rooms are filled with nothing good, then I need to say, well, if this is where I ended up, my decision-making must have been faulty, which meant my thinking was poverty thinking, my thinking was shanty thinking, my thinking was compromised life thinking, instead of my thinking, thinking about what Jesus Christ did for me is a new kind of life and a new quality of life, and there's a strength in that life, there's a hope in that life, there's a direction in that life. My life is filled with every good and every perfect thing that comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good gift comes from Him. My life is filled with every good and perfect thing that comes from above. And if it's not, I'm not thinking in line with heavenly realities. I'm thinking in line with earthly trivialities. Therefore, my life seems trivial. But if I'm thinking in line with the Word of God, don't start playing yet. 
Stand right there and absorb it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just purposely going to give myself about four more minutes. Um, <laughs> so if we think trivial things, earthly things which are trivially and temporary, we will start to get a mindset that we're just trivial and insignificant trying to get by. But when we think about heavenly realities, we think about every good and every perfect gift, and we think about strength and wisdom and future and eternity, and now our life has significance and value that now we can draw people into. Okay. You didn't give me quite four minutes, but that's all right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Where was I? He says, we've seen above this word, nuos is the Greek word for the mind. This means that the decision to repent lies in the mind, not in the emotions. This is not the same as a fleeting sorrow for past actions. Rather, it is a solid intellectual decision to turn about face, to take a new direction, and to revise the pattern of one's life. A conscious decision. Man, there's such a power in your will. That's why we were created. We try to abdicate that and say, I can't do it. I just can't do it. But there is a decision of your will that takes place at the very foundation. So when you say, Jesus, just forgive me of life. I want to be forgiven. I feel bad of where I've been. I know I need you. Please help me. But there's a difference between saying, I'm going the wrong direction. And today I repent of my sin. Repent is not a word. Repent is a decision. And so I'm turning from my life's course, which is conducted by the course of this world. I've been a slave of it. I can't help it. But I'm making a decision to turn to you. I'm leaving the guilt and the shame. And so often we look at that, but we're stuck. And so I'm leaving this place. And I'm turning to you. So I don't know if I can do that. You don't know how long I've been doing that. You don't know what a part of my life that is. You don't know the, the house I grew up in. You don't know the things that were affecting my life. No, I don't know. But he does. And he wants to build you a whole different kind of life and quality of life. And he says, you can't just imagine it and feel bad about it. He said, you make a decision. You say, well, what can I do about it? You turn to him. And the moment you believe and trust him, in that moment of faith in him. See, we're going to build on that a little bit next week. But he says, uh, the, the foundation, the, the first principle of repentance from dead works towards faith in God. Now, the moment I turn and have faith in God, faith accesses grace. So what you could not do because sin was dominating, you have to make a decision. God won't make that decision for you. And it can't just be, I feel bad, I want relief. It's a decision. I'm not doing this anymore. Well, you don't understand. I can't help it. I can't. No, you can't. But the moment you turn and put your faith in him, he meets you at that decision of faith with grace and ability. That's why repentance is so foundational. You can't go, God, help me. God, make the decision for me. God, grace me while I'm moving this direction because grace isn't in this direction. Grace is for this direction. And so we turn. It's not, again, whatever your thinking was, saw a churchgoer say, well, it's coming to the front. 
It's feeling bad about something I've done and asking for forgiveness. There is that place, but when, when we come, we, we develop the foundation. So now we've turned towards God. And there's different things that happen in that repentance. We're moving towards God, and one day a temptation comes, and we make a wrong decision. Now thank God for first one, John 1, 9. God, I sinned against you right there. I made my own choice. But because I've made a determination, my foundation is repentance. I'm not going back. I'm not going to continue to live that way. Forgive me. He cleanses me from unrighteousness, and I keep going. Because I'm not laying again a foundation, but because I have that foundation, I know how to admit that I'm wrong and give it to him. Right? So asking for forgiveness is still an essential when you recognize you've done wrong. But you're not turning back. It's a foundational principle, right, of all that we have. And so we're walking that direction. There are places then that we're going and we start to get off. We listen to the world. We listen to what they're saying. We listen to how they're conducting those philosophies. And though we're going towards God, suddenly we get off. And now we realize I've conducted a pattern of thinking my own way, desiring my own. Now this is what I want out of this. Now, God, I was going your way. Now help me go my way. And you find I'm on shaky ground. Then you have to turn back and repent. So it's not a constant thing, but I know when I start going my way because I've already repent, I've laid a foundation of repentance. I'm not doing it again. I'm not doing it again. Are you all with me? He goes on to say, emotions may accompany repentance, but they're not required. Well, I didn't get all upset. I didn't cry. I just knew I needed to change something. Good. Go with that. Go with that. Make a decision. You don't have to cry. You don't have to get all worked up. Just make the decision. If you do get emotional, okay. But it's not an emotional decision. It's a concrete deciding to convert. He said, True repentance is a mental choice to leave what is displeasing to God and to turn towards Him uh, with all of one's heart and mind in order to follow Jesus. In order to follow Jesus. When we make that decision to follow Jesus with all of our heart, with all of our decision making, grace meets us in that place. And we realize, man, I have this foundation that I can build on. That anytime my flesh and my mind is trying to pull me a different way, the enemy's trying to pull me away from God through desires and through thoughts, I can recognize it and I can ask for forgiveness and be restored. Why? Because my foundation is that I've already turned from following the ways of the world, the philosophies, and following sin. Which includes, my, my old I can't do this. I'm under condemnation. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know what mistakes I've made. You don't know. I mean, that all sounds humble, but it's still just following after. I've made mistakes. I don't know if I can correct them. I've made mistakes. Well, you can't. And the devil just wants to keep you in that mode, so you have to make a decision. I'm not making those mistakes anymore. So many times people want to build a foundation, a spiritual foundation. They want, to, they want to preach. They want to teach. They want to have the Spirit of God move. Yet they haven't dealt with simple things. They haven't dealt with some addictions. They haven't dealt with some mindsets. They haven't dealt with some, some wounds that keep throwing them back. And they say, well, every time I try to get out there, 
well, I feel like a castaway. That's because that part of their life that they're trying to build is not on a foundation where they said, nope, I'm not doing this. I don't care if it's legal or illegal. I'm doing what's right in God's eyes, and I'm turning this direction. I'm not making an excuse for doing my way. I have a reason to do it my way. Well, no, it's an unfirm foundation. But the moment I turn from it, and I truly put faith in God, what Jesus has done, right? Because now I repent. My foundation is that repentance because I know who Jesus is. Now I build on that. And now I realize now my faith is in him and everything he's done for me. So I step out of what the devil did to me, and I step into what Jesus has done for me. And now my future looks different. My life looks different. The enemy will try to remind you of your past. Praise the Lord. You know, I can drive, I can still drive by my old house, but I'm not living there. I can drive by and see where I came from, but I'm not living there. Right? That's the difference. Sometimes people just go back and live there. Well, you can look back and say, that's where I used to live. I ain't living there no more. And that's really what repentance is. Got a few more things to share on that foundation because it's very important how people got to that place of repentance in the New Testament, how they got to laying that foundation, how they got to that firm decision, and then stepped into faith in God. We don't have time uh, to cover that this, this morning, but I trust that the things that we shared helped you process. Whatever you were thinking about in the beginning, if, if it wasn't what we said, that repentance is, you're thinking, well, I, if I just feel bad and ask for forgiveness, if I, if I kneel down in, tonight and say, God, forgive me for my sin, but you say, forgive me, but I'll probably do it tomorrow, that's not repentance. Still go and ask him to forgive you, even if you haven't changed your mind. It'll help you. (laughs) Forgiveness will help you change your mind. But that's not repentance. Well, I feel so bad about it, and I asked God and told him I'm sorry. That's not repentance. Turning from it, conscious decision, that's repentance. So when he says, come on, let's build, let's build something greater. Let's leave foundation laying and build something greater then you got to know, I've got this foundation set in place, can build. I believe God wants to do some amazing, amazing things in your life this year as you carry through from the repentance to faith in God and what God has planned for you. It's going to be amazing. But we don't want to build something big, have a storm come or an earthquake shake, and all of a sudden what you're building fell down because the foundation is not firm. Amen? Father, we thank you. How many of you want... How many of you just want that life? You want, you want to repent. You want to be, build that foundation of a great and glorious life this year. Amen? Glory to God. Father, I thank you. You see the hands of people right here right now who say, you know what? I want to carry that through. I don't want to continue in a cycle. I don't want to go back. I want to have a firm foundation. Pray that you meet them right now where they are to bring clarity, to bring understanding Whatever their mindsets were, evolved or built up in their mind that is not a part of your plan for their life and the Word of God, help them to see it so they make a firm decision. If they've made that decision, that foundation, God, show them how to build that. Not go back and always look at the foundation, but now build because it's a principle, it's a fundamental of their life that they've repented, they're no longer walking that way.
and that they'll not turn to the left or to the right, but they'll keep their eyes on you every day, every step of the way. Holy Spirit, help us to do that. Strengthen us to do that. Give us wisdom and revelation to do that. Now, every head bowed and every eye closed. Don't want to leave after ministering a message like this. If you're here this morning, you never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You don't have that foundation. You say, today's my day. I want to start brand new, putting that good foundation. I'm going to turn from the way I've been doing things and turn to him. He says, if you'll just believe that he died for your sin, that God forgives you, When he raised from the dead, he justified you, made you right with God. And now you're going to build a life with God in relationship with him according to his word. There's great hope for you. Or if you say, you know what? This caused me to realize I'm built on a foundation of repentance and I've been going the wrong direction, asking God to bless the wrong direction. But I'm ready to recommit my life to going and following Jesus every single day. If you're here, I want to pray with you this morning. Either one of those. Say, I'm ready to to repent and turn my life over to Jesus for the first time, once and for all. Or you're here and saying, I need to rededicate my life. I've been going the wrong direction, and now I understand what repentance means. I want a good foundation. If you're here today, either one of those, you want prayer, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Anybody at all? See that hand? See that hand? See that hand? Anybody want to join these right here? See that hand right there? See that hand right there? Praise the Lord. Anybody else want to join these? saying, I'm ready to turn. I understand repentance. Put a good, solid foundation, and now this year just build like I've never built before, my life in Christ. Anybody else? Raise the Lord. Why don't you all stand to your feet? We're going to pray this together. So if you didn't raise your hand, but you're like, I should have raised my hand, just pray with us. I believe God's doing something, especially those who said, I'm I'm, I'm ready. And we're not just going to pray a prayer with words, but open up your heart to God that he might... Take your words and begin to formulate, release you from things of your past and strengthen you for the future that he has planned for you. Say, Father God, I come to you this morning and I'm ready for change to lay down the way I've been going and to turn to your plan for my life. So this morning, I repent of my sin. I believe that you died for my sin. God raised you from the dead so that I could be forgiven and redeemed. I believe that. I turn to that and trust you to empower me to fulfill the life you've called me to. So I thank you for restoring me and for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.